Thomas here, and I want to continue the series around 12 attributes of a great leader. And today, I'm going to focus on the topic of running teams and how to build a management system, how to drive planning um, in your business. And I'd say one place that I see managers struggle is when they fall into a trap of what I call management system by exception. This means that they're just reacting to whatever comes up and they're not consistently and proactively running the business. And that creates confusion down the chain. It slows things down. And to me, it's all, it can often be a big gap between success and failure when it comes to a manager. So I'm going to bring in Derek Shuttle, who's here with me today. Derek is the general manager in IBM Analytics um, Cloud Services. And Derek, I wanted to get your view around this topic. So I, I asserted, you know, one quote I've heard before is a manager is driving the ship, not riding on the ship. That's a key distinction. Thoughts on that? No, it's a, it's a great quote, and I, I'm sailing, a sailor by background, so it's appropriate. Um, I, I do think there is um, that analogy of hand on a rudder and making sure that, like in sailing, if you're familiar with it, you don't have sudden jerky movements, but you rather commit to a course. Right? You think about a North Star, setting clear vision and mission. That's really, to me, number one. Then number two is you set up a, a frequency with which you measure that team. And in many cases, I think that's, you know, whether it's daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, you can often set that as a reflection of your business, depending on your maturity, depending on the type of market you're in, so on and so forth. But that, to me, is the combination, is the the, the, the manager, you know, at the, the level one obligation is set that vision execute, you know, kind of drive people to that mission and then some degree of frequency where people can understand how you're doing. Um, and then I think there's the intangible of communication. And I think that's where, when I, from my own experience and then looking at other managers is where people fall over is they don't stay to a consistent communication pattern that allows people to have open discourse about what's working and, not, and what's not working, more importantly. And that in many cases turns to, you know, people starting second guessing. They, you know, don't spend the time necessary uh, to get to the right outcome. So measurements actually follow through. Um, I remember I read, uh, I think it was John D. Rockefeller's biography, and it was taught, he called it the Rockefeller habits, or the author did, and said, you know, great leaders have, have three habits. One is they set clear priorities. Right. You know, you can right. name, name them one, two, three, probably no more than five, but you got priorities, which is what you alluded to around, you know, setting the right goals. Two is you've got data, so you've got a way to assess are people working against those priorities and you're managing the key metrics. Yeah. And then the third piece, which I think is related to what you said last, is he talked about a rhythm, which is you have a set of well-organized, regular meetings where you're fostering communication, you're fostering the right discussion. Is that what you were getting at in terms of how do you open that dialogue? Is that about meetings? Is that about you know side discussions, about one-on-ones? How do you get to that? Yeah, so first, the other uh, Jim Barksdale, CEO of Netscape, had the best quote. He said, um, you know, if you show up for a meeting with me and you want to make a decision, if you don't have any data, we'll just use my opinion. Right. So the thought was yeah. you always had to have some kind of you know foundation of truth in the data, which I think is true for any business. Um, I, I think meetings are really hard to do well because they require structure. They require a lot of upfront work and commitment. And 
I, I've never been terribly good at it. I've had, you know, I'm fortunate to be on teams that have done well in that environment. But no, I, I think there is, you know, there's formal and informal communication. Meetings in many cases are formal communication where you're trying to put up a set of metrics, you're then communicating about them, you're taking down actions, and then you're going. That is a, is a piece of it. But I think more important is informal and whether that's one-on-ones, phone calls, uh, you know, whatever the kind of medium is and the frequency. And I find more often than not, that is about listening, which is, I think, another struggle for folks is as a manager, you're always focused on making sure your voice is heard or there's the preconceived thought that you always need to be telling people what to do. And I think in my experience, it's speaking a lot less and listening a lot more that if you have built the right team, you've given them the right mission, set the right principles and to your point, have the right rhythms or frequencies of communication. It's about listening because more often than not, those folks know what they need to do. It's more just being a, you know, a platform that they can talk to you, they can get feedback on um, and done so in a way where they feel it's um, secure. Like they don't feel like they're at a place where they're going to breach anything and they're going to uh, incur any penalty for being open. And that I think in today's world, you know, we're, we're shifting from kind of command and control into teams of teams and trying to operate faster than we've ever been able to operate before. So it really is you know, loosely coupled, closely aligned teams with clear mission and vision. And then this background, kind of this, you know, sounding board, this communication pattern where you can give people the feedback they need in order to have the confidence and, you know, leash the running line, whatever, you know, analogy you'd want to do to actually go do their job. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I think that's a good, um, a good way to think about it in terms, there's a set of things that are formal. Yeah. I'd say informal is equally important, if yeah, not I think more it, important If not cases. more important. If not more important, because I was thinking about this is that, you know, there's formal power and there's informal power. And, you know, look at the presidency. You know, he from a from an office perspective, formally, he can do a few things. Informally, he can do infinite things, anything. Anything. And I think it's the same when you get into a corporate environment where formally you've got a lot of rules and regulations and compliance, so on and so forth, that prevent any one actor from doing, you know, significant things. all the informal communication is what is, uh, for better or for worse, what really matters. And that's and I, removing kind of the day-to-day operations of your business, just thinking about culture and morale and engagement. It's those informal discussions that give people confidence that they're participating in something meaningful and special, that they understand their role within the context of the greater mission, and they have the confidence that they have the right resources to get it done. Let's talk about one formal aspect that I, I do see a lot of value in. Which is a bit of a lost art, which is which is a one-on-one between a manager and and an employee, and I see a lot of people that don't even do them. I personally think that's a big mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, as you think about one-on-ones, like who owns the agenda? Do you own the agenda? Does the employee coming to you own the agenda, or do you do that informally? How do you think about one-on-ones? So it's interesting. I, I, I agree with you. It is a lost art. It is something that I think has um, lapsed in this kind of newer culture where. Uh, you know, you've got different communication tools like Slack. So everyone's always on, right? So there is the importance of kind of pausing, having meaningful discussion in a one-on-one setting. And I would say first, um, I do not set the agenda. I usually ask the person joining me to set the agenda because more often than not, um, that'll help dictate the, 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 the content is high value and meaningful to them. The second piece is I find them very different, i.e. structure versus unstructured with technical and non-technical. With technical folks, they gravitate to a more structured daily regimen. So having structure in those discussions week to week, month to month, whatever frequency you set is very helpful. I think in the, the I'll say the, the non-technical, 
they're fluid because more often than not, there can be acute topics, meaning there's something going on with a client, a partner, or an organizational design issue that is of top of mind. Um, and thereafter, it really is almost life coach, I find, where mm-hmm. folks that are in you know various stage of career want feedback on what they can do to either do their jobs better, to, you know, uh, improve a skill that they're worried about, you know, handle an issue that they're facing with someone in their team or, you know, the challenge they face with their client. That, if I were to kind of divide the two, that's kind of how I see that happening. I'd say that that for me personally, the, when I've scheduled them, um, I have made a purpose of trying to keep the same time. And that's what always is, is a challenge for me personally, is just managing a schedule so that the person feels that you treat them as important, you know, as, with as much respect as they do. Yeah. And then that's what I always am, am hypersensitive Or any to. other priority on your calendar. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If, if I say it's going to be 3 p.m. on a Monday, it's going to be 3 p.m. on a Monday, and we're going to try and keep that as consistent as possible because that's then just a reflection of the importance of it. And that, that's always a challenge. But I'd say that's my um, – because they are very helpful. Yeah, very, very helpful. Um, and I like the point about having the employees set the agenda. And it goes to your point about listening before. I see some managers who say – they're going to do the agenda, and then they end up talking 80% of the time. And the point of the one-on-one for a manager is not to be heard. Right. 100% <laughs> it's, agree. It's the opposite. Agreed. 100%. Yeah. And, but, and I, I wonder if that is a, you know, a maturity thing as a manager. A lot of times, you know, you, know, you can play the part because you're not terribly comfortable in your own skill set or you're concerned about where you are relative to, you know, should I be managing people? Should I be, yeah. you know, managing a team? And that, that to me is always a um, – an important step for any manager is just understanding what you're good at, what you're not good at, and treating those interactions as a chance to hear from someone that works for you or with you. Yeah. Not worry about kind of owning the agenda per se or driving any specific you know um, you know item on your list. It's really about them. I agree. I think it's something some people have to grow into. Some do naturally, but yeah. I think I think again just to contrast, I liked your point: formality versus informality. Having a balance of both in the management system is key. Um, Good discussion, Derek. Thanks for joining. You bet. Thanks, Rob.